fellas gather around listen to me. I'm about to put y'all on because somebody put me on. So I'm sharing this wealth of knowledge I got. In my quest to manifest magnificence in this kind of famous lifestyle, I found this product called A Perfect Gentleman by Touch Body Works at EvokeTouch.com. Let me tell you what it smells like, though. This joke is crisp, man. It's clean. It's not too masculine. It's right at that sweet spot. Men love it. Women adore it. That simple. Man, let me tell you something about this product, man. It's all handmade. It's all natural. No synthetics. No chemicals. It's natural the way we need things, man. Matter of fact, it's so natural you can eat it. But don't. Seriously, don't. Not only that, we talking about supporting small business. That's a black-owned small business. And I want y'all all over that. EvokeTouch.com. E-V-O-K-E. Touch.com. Get something for yourself and jump on that perfect gentleman. While you're over there, get something for your mama and then tell your mama I said hi. This is the I'm Kind of Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Rowe. New week, new episode every Thursday on now the I'm Kind of Famous Podcast Network. Network the show. I'm Kind of Famous, catch your chance up. And I'm Kind of Famous Extra. Uh, what I call it? Cut in Room. I like it. Aerofilms, aerofilms.com. A R O W E film. Um, that's my personal website. That's where everything is. Or you go know, to Facebook. Kind of Famous Pod. K-I-N-D-A Famous Pod. P-O-D. Facebook, Twitter, or Podbean. And you can go to iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, Podbean. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can go and listen to the podcast. All right. Let's see. Make sure you go get Wi-Fi Rock Bottom the book. As I've said before, working on that second edition, I'm excited about doing that with the audiobook. And I guess I gotta let y'all know I'm working on a new movie. I'm writing one. It's dope. I'm happy about it. Uh horror film. Uh I don't have a title for it. I'm doing it in a different way, innovative way. I think no one has done it before, but it'll be able to work in two different ways. I'll tell you more about that later. We got a whole different episode, which you probably know if you done rock, rock, read the show notes for today's show. We're going to talk a little bit about money, or a lot of bit about money. The whole episode going to be about money. And black folks. White folks, y'all like. <laughs> y'all, y'all cool. Um, so, uh, several episodes ago, we did the Queen X Magazine Fall Release party show uh with autumn black which is doing a phenomenal job since then she's opened up uh a shop urban vibes I think it's united called. united vibes united vibes united vibes uh which is i i don't really know how to explain it to be honest but uh it sells a lot of things that are uh, representative of our culture black culture um and it's it's new, so I'm pretty sure it's going to continue to grow uh, as well. And you'll be able to find the Queen X magazines in that shop. So if you cannot find them around Wichita, if you're in Wichita, you'll definitely be able to find them um, 
at this store or you can go to queenx.co and find the same uh some of the stuff that's in the shop as well as the queen x magazine as well as uh different articles and write-ups uh that go with that with that being said we have uh a contributor to queen x today who also was just yelling in the background <laughs> of the queen x uh, li- uh live recording of i'm kind of famous monica monica young how's how you monique so i had two people from the show Ooh. on here so i'm just like trying to keep it all together it's fine monica fine. young who uh i guess i'm supposed to call it young money i, I young guess money i don't know that's what oh this is autumn's doing this is autumn's yeah. doing. but uh we're gonna talk about money um in different forms and aspects aspects uh she's not prepared for today's show because you know me being me i make people nervous i do that i'm very nervous i'm like over here shaking i'm like about to start sweating well it's <laughs> it's, it's it's october you gotta stop that. it's a little warm out it's nice it's nice yeah. out though yeah. um so first i'm just gonna have you tell a little bit about yourself uh what do you do with queen next and what is your uh background in today's subject that makes you uh able to have this conversation well i am currently a contributor for queen x magazine she has me writing the finance edition so basically i come on every month uh, with my blogs about personal finance and budgeting um how to pay off debt um where to go if you're needing a loan versus going to these buy here pay here's or these title loan companies um i'm actually going to start talking um with people around town about doing some finance literacy courses for our youth and we're going to be hosting some finance literacy courses so stay tuned for that in the queen x magazine she's going to be talking a little bit about that in the next uh, edition I currently work as an intern with one of the local banks here, Central Bank and Trust. Um, I do a lot with financing and businesses. Um, I currently go to Wichita State University. I am a business student, finance to be exact. I already have a bachelor's in psychology. Oh, man. Um, my you that master's? Well, my plan was to get a master's in psychology and study the behavior of consumer spending. Ooh, 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 we're going to talk about that. And publish and do some TED Talks because ultimately you can't be politically correct when it comes to talking about money and finance. I think um, socially and psychologically we need to come at it in a different standpoint and maybe understand our reasoning behind why we get ourselves into debt and why we spend the way we do. Well, you're on the right show to not be politically (laughs) correct, so we're going to do that. Um, So, uh, you know, I could do the big professional thing and just go into this long spiel about different shit but what we gonna do we gonna jump right into it okay um so let's see you said financial literacy let me look at my little note paper that i'm hiding from you oh my goodness i don't know where i want to start because everybody know i love talking about this kind of stuff (laughs) um let's start with um why we spend and when i say we so let me put this out here first okay i'm using the term we a lot and we is gonna 
mostly represent minorities, people of color, black. Uh, and that's because we both kind of come from this background so we can relate to this more. Right. And I personally feel like we're the people who really need this thing, as you call financial literacy. <laughs> we need to uh, work on that right. significantly. Um, so let's start with talking about um, the thing that you said you're working on, um, why we spend, how we spend. Um, why do you make, why do you think we make the decisions that we make on the purchases we make? Well, generally speaking, when you see a lot of minorities who come up, like, athletes or professional singers or comedian actors and actresses what do they do what's the first thing they do they buy a big house okay they buy a luxurious car i will too okay. not luxurious i'm gonna get like a ford focus a ford focus okay no nah, i'm probably not gonna do that yeah. <laughs> i'm not gonna be a lexus you know i gotta get the black cadillac that's a lexus i feel like that's maybe the black maybach we get a little flashy when we get a little little a little bit of that extra money. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like tax season, when tax season rolls around, who spends the most? Are you talking about black wealth season? Yup. Uh minorities in general. Like that's the time to go get them fifty dollar bundles. That's the time to go get you rims. know, rims. That's the time to go get that Michael Kors. The Michael <laughs> or whatever it is in what season. The right. number one phrase they say, we love when I get my taxes, when I get my taxes, that's the statement that you just know is going to be some bullshit out of it. When I get my taxes, I'm going to be rolling around in a 2008 Suburban, and it's going to be back on the lot yeah. by August. Right. Hold up, shouting now. Look, <laughs> right now, I know I'm in this little dub, but trust me, believe me, when I get my little paper back from tax season, they ain't going to be able to fuck with me, shawty. Mm, baby, we going to be riding around town. <laughs> See, what you want? Red Lobster? <laughs> we go to Cheddar's. Uh, <laughs> but, so, it's one thing. Uh, a, I don't know if this is something you came across in your learning. Even, I don't even know if it's an official statement. But aspirational spending is, uh, are you familiar with that? Ooh, he hit me with some big words. No, break it down for me. So aspirational spending, or I forget the long version of that. But basically, mm -hmm. this idea of if Rihanna has this or, mm -hmm. or any celebrity has this, I have to have it too. And not even that, I have to have it. So Rihanna comes out with this thing. My homegirl has it. My other homegirl has it. Social media has it. Why well, don't have it? Right. And so we chase that down because, you know, we aspire to look a certain way. Because if we don't look this way, then we're not, we're not up. We're not where we're supposed to be because of the vision that we have for what we think making it is. Right. Or someone who's made it. So we buy things like Jordans. We buy, we buy the things that can be show, shown mm -hmm. um, because we can go. Oh, you ain't got that? I've been on that. Right. So that aspirational aspect of like, you look at someone who's up and you're like, I got to get there. I got to get that thing that they got. And I think that's, you know, 
most, I won't say most. I'm gonna say most in a generalized term. Okay. But most, I would say black closets probably look the same. And a lot of black closets, uh, black driveways probably look the same because we're chasing each other. Chasing each other and we're chasing the bling instead of chasing what, you know, our future. Like, don't you want to save money? Don't you want to be able to retire one day? Why do you think we don't think about the future like that? Because, like you said, it, I, I feel like it's a social concept. And we're more fascinated by what people around us think more so than what we think of ourselves and as ourselves as a community. Is that bad? Right. Yes, I feel it's bad. I mean, I don't want to be the type of person who worries more so because people like me because I'm flashy or people like me because my makeup is beat and my hair is on point. I want people to like me because, you know, as a person, I'm a good person. I hope that people think that I'm smart enough or I'm intelligent enough or I'm qualified enough to give them expertise about their personal finances and help them budget. But at what, what, when is it, because here's the part, here's part of it is, it's like, I got to look like I got it versus, uh, I guess not having it because, you know, you look at like a drug dealer or something like that. Mm -hmm. They go into the club looking this way, throwing around money, drinking these drinks. And now you have like, shit, I want to know what, i tell you one. Stupid spending. I got, I had the money <laughs> to do it. I did it uh, knowing what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, Wiz Khalifa was always talking about Cleco in, the, in his song. It's a champagne. I was like, if Cleco really hitting like that, I got to try it. Because I ain't heard no one else say it but him. And I like to be on some stuff that ain't nobody messing with. Okay. I go to the liquor store looking for Cleco. Can't find it. Go to another. Looking for Cleco. Can't find it. Go to another one. They had Clico, but it wasn't Rosé. I was like, man, what did Clico? He said, we can order it for you. Cool. How much? $89. $89 for a bottle of champagne. And I got that bitch. Why, <laughs> though? Because I wanted to taste it. I wanted to, like the access to it. And I was like, I got it. Ain't that big of a deal. Now, I still haven't tasted this bottle. Hey, so you gotta. I, hey, it's aging. <laughs> it's aging because I didn't had this bottle about six years now in my in my uh fridge, and I don't. It was just, it was a bad buy. I if it's now if it tastes miraculous. I, here's another reason why I'm doing pretty damn good for myself. I got some things that are doing real fine. I always say, all right, when this thing happened to me, I'm gonna open that bottle up. Mm -hmm. All right, that thing happened. Like, well. Was that big enough? Let me do the next thing. I'll do the next thing. And I keep chasing this idea. Like, if I do that big enough thing to warrant open this bottle, I will. Because I'm like, hey, this is a $100 bottle. I can't just open drink it, it on a Tuesday. Right. But that's me. And I don't make a ton of those purchases. But then I see different women who would say live at home, mm -hmm. have all these disadvantages in their normal life. But the perception that they're giving people mm -hmm. is that they're taken care of. They got money. Mm -hmm. They own a hustle. They own this. They own that. And I think other poor people, no, 
other people in her position who don't have it right have to keep up with her because like well if i'm living like her why can't i have what she have and i think that's i think that's where we're destructive to ourselves so just so i'm understanding you correctly are you so you're referring to the individual who may live at home and have the advantage of not having to pay you know rent and a car payment she's able to spend her money in different areas that someone who had to pay rent and have to pay bills wouldn't necessarily be able to spend their money at and they see that and in return they think well she's doing it i can do it too yeah i think so i think that's what i'm i think that's what i'm critiquing so so we're not really critiquing where how we're spending we're critiquing you know how we view one another well that's i i think those can go hand in hand in the sense Mm -hmm. of that you make a poor decision Mm -hmm. in comparison to someone else's decision okay so then maybe we need to open up a conversation with one another and be 100 percent honest with one another and say you know it may look on the exterior as though, you know, I got it like that, but I don't. Therefore, you shouldn't see me that way and stop trying to do things that you think I'm doing when I'm really not. I was going to curse. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there's a lot of I know, kids going yeah, by. I uh, Keep that language in check. Yeah. Um, <laughs> run that by me one more time. So basically, we need to have an open conversation with one another. Okay, let's take an example. I still live at home with my parents, and I'm married. But my husband lives in a different state, and I'm getting ready to move with him. But to save money, I decided to move back home with my parents. And some people may see me, oh, she's got a nice car. She's got this. She's got that. Well, she lives at home with her parents. That's why, you know... We can live the way she lives, but they don't live at home with their parents. They're trying to catch up to me when there's nothing to catch up with. <laughs> but I and see, I think, yeah, because the context to your reasoning, they don't know. Right. They only have the perception of what they think. So for you, you're making a decision, a financial decision mm-hmm. to do this because of where you're trying to go. Right. Whereas these other people may uh it is a stunt it is a uh we're flying at this point we're selling this identity of ourselves of themselves that they're not right they want the perception of looking up so they will let's say always been at home at their parents mm-hmm. always spending to the last dime because they have that safety net there so they're never really working on the bigger picture of how to have be self-sustained, have my own home, right, and then figuring out budgeting and ways to continue this lifestyle, or even having a different way of employment so they can have a lifestyle where they can have a home and be by themselves, like not be dependent, right. Where you're making a decision that is still an independent decision because of a plan that you have for yourself. Um, so the optics, no one can tell. No one can tell who's the person doing this for this reason and who's the person that's just 
we'll say flex or I say flexing. Flexing. What's the word? I'm like, what's the good mm-hmm. word? What's a good? Y'all understand flexing? I know right, my audience. Right, everybody. Yeah. Um. In those two ways, what what do we work on? Because I say that because I don't see that with other races. Right. They're not in competition low-key with one another or if they see one another and one may be living at home with their mother versus the other one that's married with children, taking care of the house, the home, blase, blase. They get it. They're not on this, oh, he's out here driving this nice BMW. Let me go right. out here and get a nice man. Let me work on, you know. Let me go buy a bike. Right. Let me work hard and get to where I need to get to so I can one day be in that position. Not let me compete with him right now knowing that I, I can't do it. Like, I don't have the means to do it. Mm. So what do we work on? We work on the communication with one another. And I think African-Americans, we are very faulty. And I can speak from experience. I've been in situations where there's other African-Americans who are doing very well for themselves financially, socially, all the way around. And... They don't want to talk to me. And here I am looking up to you. Ooh, this bee. Mm, Ooh. Still. Oh, Ooh. No. I unruffled the bee's feathers a little oh, bit. <laughs> get me messed up. Go ahead. And, you know, here I am. I, I look up to you. And, you know, I want to learn from you. I Mentor me. And there's this divide between the two of us. Like, I worked hard for it. So can you. You don't. You, there's nothing you need to learn from me. And that is completely false. There is a lot that we can learn from other African-Americans who have put themselves in a position where they're financially stable, where they're social, socially, you know, they've got it going on or whatever the case may be. We can learn from one another instead of just, oh, I've made it. Leave me alone. I don't have to help you. If you want if you want to try to be like me, try. Go ahead. And that is the weird thing is like there's so much of this this knowledge. Oh man, I don't know how long we're gonna end up talking. There's so much <laughs> of this knowledge that we don't pass down to each other. And I and that's part of why I want to have this conversation as well. Is because, you know, you're gonna have far more knowledge. I, I hope you better have more knowledge <laughs> than me on this subject because you're you're studying it. Right. I mean, I studied from the perspective of, you know, uh, of trying to take a business somewhere, being around a, other business owners. Like, I'm not going to go pay for classes. So I'm going to be around other people that's doing it. Right. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to listen to what they say. I'm going to study. I'm going right. to like all this stuff. Right. And I'm still not going to know almost as much as information as you're going to know. I hope. I got to keep saying that. But I look at... um. So, it's a, it's a writer named, a controversial writer named ta Coates. And he had the, he wrote for, I, I can't remember if it was New York Times, Wall Street Journal, it was something. Mm-hmm. We talked about the case for reparations. And uh, I invite people to go look that up, the case of reparations for, by ta Coates. I can't spell it for you. Just put the case of rep, for reparations and then Coates, C-O-A-T-S. Uh and one of the things in that article he talked about is this lack of information that we have, this generational wealth that we don't have. I mean, that, that isn't passed down. Gener- yeah. And so with that also is the lack of knowledge on how to deal with wealth, how to deal with um, keeping these things that are passed down from generation to generation. Like if um, 
uh, a person own uh, a a person owns an oil rig in their family for three or four generations. That's going down. It's going to keep following generations. Each generation, generation is going to be wealthy. Gonna, and they're going to teach them how to make sure you take care of this. Yep. Um, a house can end up uh, being inherited. Like all these different things can be inherited, mm-hmm. but because we don't have a true lineage to our background and we're displaced people that we don't have real true uh generational wealth and we don't have these things that would come down it was taken from us through slavery and all this sort of thing um so that's the 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 gist of well not the gist there's a lot more to that conversation for the case of reparations but what we are missing is as you say you're around peers or people that you look up to that could help you financially Mm -hmm. in terms of information and helping you get somewhere we don't do that either like my mom didn't my mom or dad nor dad taught me anything about business i just kind of was around them enough to like all right i get it right. and if i ask a question i answer it but you know some people tell me all the time like you should you should give a seminar you should do this you should do that like everyone who runs across me that asks me for advice i just give it right uh for two reasons i, I often say on my show i believe most people won't take the advice most people won't do the work because work is hard uh, in general, mm-hmm. but I have no problem giving that up, giving my experience up, because I think the more one I, I think about my character, I want people to look back at me and go like, man, he was he always was there. He always was helpful. He always had when I needed some information, he was willing to give it mm-hmm. because I think. If you know something and I know something, we all know something, we can start to build our own. We can collaborate and begin to build. We can monopolize on that. Right. And we can take that generational thing and go and be the storytellers. Right. That go, all right, man, now we got this, but you know, we don't want to lose this. Uh, So this is what you need to make sure you do, you do, you do, because they ain't going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. They ain't going to tell you. And I don't know if part of it is, I mean, I'm pretty sure both ends of this is true. Uh, we're telling and they're not listening and then there's the ones that just not telling because they feel like then you can be coming from me and I'm not going to lose my shit because I can see that. I can see that. You have more diligence at this thing than I do or more knowledge in this other thing that I don't have and Mm -hmm. pretty soon you'll beat me to the punch of this shit I've been working on. Right. So I think that should fall into I think that falls into your place of financial literacy. In some in a little bit in a little bit yeah um uh, once you explain that so when i talk about financial literacy what i mean is teaching you know more young african-american latino um asian indian people asian of- asian got it <laughs> they fine well like indian asian no okay okay that version is and, you know, even some American Asian children are still, you know, falling behind in the financial literacy aspect as well as other minorities. And what I mean by that is we're not offered certain resources that a Caucasian child is offered. And our community as a whole, we don't really show too much interest in learning about the monetary system. Or why don't, you know, schools, public schools teach about this whole loan interest rate and credit score why is that not a priority because see you're telling someone's child well if you don't have a good credit score you're not going to be able to apply for a personal loan you're not going to be able to apply for a mortgage well telling them that is nothing if you're not putting any knowledge behind it 
teach them. Let, they need to fully grasp what it is that you're saying. You're just speaking these words to them, but they don't understand it. So that's why so many 18-year-olds graduate high school on a Monday and Capital One sends them an application on a Tuesday. And by the end of that year, they're at $5,000 in debt. Already. Yeah, I agree. Um, Preach to the choir on that. I do believe, I don't understand why. Damn, it's crazy. I, I have been using this term. A financial literacy course in high school because the first thing you do when you go to high school, go to uh aid room and they just let you sign every single paper you want to sign they get you every class they get you all this and you walk out six months later silent may hit you up and you're like hold on what is this right where did the sixty thousand dollars come from and so financial literacy i i i do um across the board um not even on the racial trend i think across the board it needs to be taught yes. in grade school um understanding loans understanding debt understanding interest um, just even, even if that's like the basic course, got to understand that you got to know that, uh, if you take a $500 loan, that can be a $600 loan when you pay it back, depending right. on when you pay it back. Um, cause I'm, I'm shit, I'm shitty at it. So, uh, I know it's a big deal, but I'm, <sighs> I guess I'm getting better at it. I hate giving people extra money, but I didn't know. I yeah. went in there and signed my name. Now I was one of those people who didn't get like this big return back from uh the aid office where i could spend another thousand dollars on something right. so i never had that problem i don't have that problem but i mean i still got a, a pretty i went to a private university so oh you racked up double yeah so uh <laughs> i'm paying y'all forever you know uh i mean to put it in perspective uh barack obama didn't pay off his student debt until he was the president Correct. So that's like how bad that system is, in my opinion. Um, why you said that we don't uh, pay attention to financial systems? What do you mean by that? We, in terms of the monetary system, like we don't understand how money floats throughout, you know, the banks or throughout the government. We just think that, you know, saying that you have twenty dollars, you have twenty dollars, or saying that you have five hundred dollars in the bank account what does that actually mean though that i mean people don't know like they can have a net worth like you don't have to be bill gates to have a net worth like i have a net worth my net worth is negative that's not bad that just means that right now my debts outweigh my assets but mm, okay. i'm moving but i'm moving up the ladder to change that negative net worth into a positive i'm gonna hit even by the end of the year and then i'll start racking up some real net worth i will have wealth so let's talk about that. Where where should a where should eighteen year old start? You coming out of high school, you graduate. Where should they start? Well, if they're already working, or take me for example, I was eighteen. I graduated high school. Someone, Capital One, I believe it was, or maybe it was Discover. I think it was Capital One. I don't want your money. You any of them. <laughs> Sent me a credit card. You know, I didn't understand any of it i didn't understand the terms the conditions the interest rate i didn't understand any of it but i but i filled the application out and i got approved and i got a 500 hundred dollar credit card <laughs> just like a just like getting a car they'll figure out how to get you in that car <laughs> you want that car they'll get you in that car now the mistake that i made which i'm telling anybody that's 18 or younger or 21 that doesn't have a credit card the mistake that i made was taking that 500 hundred dollar credit card and maxing it out 
spending $500 on the credit card. That wasn't the purpose of the credit card. The purpose of the credit card is to build and establish credit, revolving credit to be exact. But that's so hard because you're giving people free money is how some will look at it. And it's not free money because where did that money come from? Where did it come from? You didn't make that money. You didn't earn that money. That money was given to you as like an IOU. It was, it's a line of credit is what it is. And you're going to have to pay it back. And, yep. Yep. No matter what. Now, um, the literacy part of it, though. Is that, yeah, the literacy, the literacy part of it. I think that's the weird part. It's more of understanding the terminology. When I say net worth, what do you think? When I say assets, what do you think? When I say fixed expense and variable expense, what do you think? It's more of the terminology of it because you see it in these disclosures and you see it when you go to sign for a student loan or when you go to sign for a personal loan. If you don't understand the terminology behind it, you're going to sign on the dotted line and not even realize what you just signed basically your life over to. Now, but a lot of it is because they, quite frankly, need the money. True, true. And and these people send this. I mean, it's it's predatory to what they're doing. They know what they're doing. It's a system that's been working for decades. Mm -hmm. So they know what they're doing. But at the same time, you're talking about people who... You know, even with warning, you know, I sat down with my financial whatever when I got a credit card. And he told me all the same shit that was in the paper. Mm -hmm. He explained it. Mm -hmm. But I still walked away like, damn, I got $5,000. Now, I didn't spend like that. Right. Um, because, and, and for me, I had a reason not to. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a kid, my sister stole my mom's credit cards and she ran amok and my sister paid dearly for that. Yeah. Uh, and my mom paid dearly for that because of that in terms of, you know, having bad credit. Um, so for me, seeing that young enough to understand made me say, I ain't ever fucking with a credit card. Right. Now, you can't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until I was like trying to buy a car for the first time mm -hmm. where it was like, well, you don't have any credit. You know, right. And I had a credit card. I just never used it. Um, so you almost had to use credit to build credit so you can have credit so you can buy some shit that's important. Uh, as some would say, a house, some car, like all these different things. Just like. I'm going to hold that thought. Um, OK. <laughs> what are practical ways for people to look at that? The things that you you're talking about, these terminologies, because assets, all this. Granted, I would say um, we need to know it as the term that it is. Um, but education is also a uh, poor part, another deficient place that we have in our community as well. I Go guess ahead. the best way I could say for someone to look at it, generally speaking, okay, you need a small $500 loan for whatever reason you don't have it. You've got plenty of options. You can either get a $500 credit card or you could go to a bank versus a title loan company. Now, title loan company. I'm going to have you add one more piece in there. Okay. Credit union. So let's go credit union, bank title loan okay. or you know, fast transaction basically. So you could either go to a credit union, a bank, or a title loan company. 
Now, either choice, bank or credit union, is going to be better than the title loan company. And this is why. The title loan company is now going to tell you that you sign over typically your car title <laughs> in order to get that $500 loan at a almost 100% interest rate. And what about payday loans as well? Same thing. Okay. They're all intertwined. They're all owned by the same company. They just have different names. Mm -hmm. But it's all the same thing. You end up borrowing 500 and the day that you don't pay that full 500 back, you are now earning up to 100% interest rate, meaning that you've doubled what you now need to pay back. So now you're owing them 1000 And you still owe them your car. They're going to come after you. Mm. Now, if you were to go to a credit union, and all you need to do with a credit union, I got to throw this out there, is open up a savings account. And that ensures your membership with them. You now own a percentage of that credit union. It's typically 25 to $30 to open up a savings account, keep it open. Now, if you were to go to that credit union and say, hey, I need a $500 loan, there's options. They may say, you know, you don't have enough credit or your debt to rate ratio is extremely high. They're still gonna work with you. They may say, you know, put $100 in the savings, borrow against it. And as you pay it off, will release those funds to you or they may offer you a credit card and they can offer that immediately for $500 and even if you did that and you spent all the 500 on the credit card your interest rate is going to be a lot lower than it would if you were to go to that title loan or the buy here pay here shop the same thing goes with the banks however banks may be in it a little bit more for the money and your interest rate may be a little higher than the credit union, but it's still going to be lower than it would if it was at the title company or the buy here, pay here shop. Okay. Okay. So um, now banks and financial institutions for some minorities is a very in intimidating place to be. Yes, it is. Um, what is some ways that they can deal with that or find comfort in dealing with financial institutions? Well, <laughs> I'm going to get some flag for this although i work at a bank uh -oh. i am a firm believer in credit unions and I always will be i started out working at a credit union at the age of 8 17 and i was a teller and i did not understand banking in any way shape or form because neither my mom or dad you know i grew up with them telling me if you don't have the money don't go out here and buy it you you pay cash like my mm -hmm. first car i paid cash for it the whole financing was very foreign to me, and I was very scared to put my money somewhere because I was told, oh, they take your money, they take your money. Growing up and, you know, learning and getting the knowledge that I know, that's not necessarily how the banking system works. Not necessarily, no. No. <laughs> they don't take your money. They Kind of close. <laughs> not that close. You deposit it, and then that's what's called the market for loanable funds, and that's a whole other, you know, aspect of it, but... Basically, me working there, it taught me, you know, I could have a safe place to put my money or start a savings account is what mm. I, I used it for initially. And I got, you know, a little bit of money saved up. And what I did was I borrowed against it and I got a loan for, I believe it was like 1.99% interest rate. On so your savings? Yeah, on the, on the savings. What I did was I saved 500 and then I borrowed against it. So I borrowed 500. And my interest rate was like 1.99%, I believe. So I ended up paying like $16 back. 
So I paid $560 back for it. So to be clear, uh, I want to make sure we address this because I haven't heard you say it. But mm-hmm. uh, so if you get a open up a bank account, usually they give you an option of having a savings account. But you always can get a checking account. Checking account. Checking and savings. Checking is like your money. That's like that's spending money. That's mm-hmm. whatever you want to make it. Your savings is uh, your savings. I mean, it's just what it sounds like. And uh, in some cases you have um. Uh, Different things that you can do with that savings account so that money earns money. Um, they do apply, uh, was it an interest or? They, you can accrue interest on it if you are taking out a loan. But if you're just letting the money sit there, you can also accrue interest that way. So it's a couple different options when you're using a bank um, and, 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 and just different kind of accounts. So when she's talking about savings, she's not talking about when you just go to a bank, open up an account, have a check, and then that shit. That so you can that's your money that you take out when you go savings account and you borrow against what you say you can borrow against what you have in the account or if you qualify you can borrow you know however much you need at a lower interest rate okay and 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 basically how is that different from uh taking out a loan from that bank itself from taking what like you, you you're not taking a, a loan off of your savings you're just Oh, you're just, you're just, so basically it'd be the same as if you were to go to like Speedy Cash and apply for a loan. You go, you know, to a bank or credit union and say, hey, I'd like to see if I'm eligible to borrow $1,200. You fill out an application. They run, you know, your background. They run your credit. They approve you. And what they do is they give you a disclosure and they say you're borrowing, you know, $1,200 at a 3% interest rate at the end of your 12-month term. This is what you'd end up paying us back. Meaning this ain't your money. Now the the <laughs> borrowing against your savings. This is your money, uh, right? Yes, this is your money. You're borrowing against it. So as you pay it back, we'll release funds to you. And I guess I should um, clarify that when you get a loan, um, like that I'm talking about borrowing against your money, that's not for someone who needs the money like right then and there. This is more of a way to build your credit without necessarily having to go out and get a credit card. And you're paying yourself back. You're paying yourself back. It's yes. like digging in that shoebox. Take 50 out, put 50 back in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, except in that case, you need to put 60 in or something. Um, what about investment? What about it? What do you want to know? Should they invest? Should we invest? Should we? Is that a place that we need to be in, or should we focus? What should we focus I think on something that different? Everybody should invest, and people who have four hundred one ks are already investing. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's be fair. Let's talk. So I want to see. It's weird. You got two different kind of classes of people mm-hmm. uh, that we talk about. One that's on this far income, uh, low income end, and ones that are middle class, just like. I hate to say standard person, but the 401k, <laughs> usually that's going to apply to a job that's paying uh, a significant living wage, I would think, as well as coming with benefits and things like that. Versus a poor or person who may not have the benefit of getting a 401k at the job. Okay. So I think that if you are within your means to start investing, you should. And what I mean by that is if you don't have a significant amount of debt, you're not paying back anything, I would highly recommend that you invest. But if you are paying things back, I would hold off on investing. 
because it's going to get a little overwhelming. You're going to have money that you're spending on your debt repayment, and then you're trying to, you know, scramble money together to invest in whatever you're investing in. Me personally, what I did was I worked part-time, and my employer, fortunate enough, offered a 401k plan to part-timers. And I Dang. I know, and they matched it up to 3% for part-timers. That's because it's the bank. It's like, we get money. Actually, this we was, always get money. Actually, this wasn't a bank. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. That's a good-ass job. And I, once again, I didn't know much about 401ks. I actually, you know, I had to sit down with um, someone that worked at, you know, the employer and ask them, you know, exactly what is it that I'm doing. And they broke it down to me. And they were like, you know, you're saving for, you know, retirement. And what we do is we break it down. You could have mutual funds and such and such. But I don't want to get people lost in translation. I don't want to make anyone perplexed. Basically, to shorten this, um, you could go to a bank now, and you don't even you don't even need to be employed. If you got a little extra spending money, you can go to a bank, you can go to a credit union, and say, "Hey, I'd like to speak with your investment officer, your investment banker, and say, you know, hey, I've got five hundred dollars to the side that I'm not really looking to do anything with. I'd like to invest." They're going to help you invest that $500 the best way, you know, they see fit. Or what they'll do is they'll give you options, and they'll leave that completely up to you to invest your money where you want to invest it at. Mm. Now, it's up to you as the consumer in this case, I guess, to, you know, do a little bit more research on investments and understand exactly what you're doing. Are You, you know, you're getting into a long-term thing, and you could possibly lose your money. <laughs> Not possibly. I mean, <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. I, <laughs> so, I have not yet. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that can be intimidating. I only bring it up because I think it's uh uh I bring it up in ways that you it's so much is so much out there. It's yeah. It's, it's a lot. lot of things out there that we should either find knowledge on or take advantage on because it's not we're not we're kind of. I think we treat money very cyclical, cyclical in the sense that we're all doing the exact same, not all, a majority of us are doing the exact same thing with the money. The money isn't making money in different ways like we talk about it with investments or having a savings. Mm -hmm. um, and granted, I understand like some people can't afford to have savings just trying to figure out their day-to-day -day life. Right. Which brings me to that point, uh, how... If you can offer a plan for people who feel like they're not in a position to save money, what would it be? If I could offer a plan for people who are not in the position to save. Well, they don't I feel like they are because they feel like everything is check to check and this right. whole thing. What I would tell Or advice. Maybe not a plan, but some advice you can give them. So the best advice that I could give someone in that position would be to basically, you know, sit down and... Calculate how much money you're bringing in every month or every two weeks and then sit down and calculate how much you spend every month on your necessities, your rent, your car insurance, your car payment, your utility, and then whatever's left. If there is anything left, figure out a way to um, best allocate those funds where you can split it 50-50, where you can still enjoy you know like some leisure time and still have a little bit of money saved over 
sa- save. I mean, even if it's like five, ten bucks, that's better than nothing. Mm. I mean, if you were to save 10% of your income starting out at the age of 25, and by the time you're, what, 65, you could have $100,000. And that's without occurring interest. So if you make 500 a month, 10% of that is $50. You save that over the course of, what, 40, 50 years? Mm. You do the math. How much money are you going to have? What about the rainy days? I mean, we all have rainy days, and you just have to, you know, figure that out the best you can. I can't tell anyone how to spend their money. I can basically tell you, you know, what would generally be the best option for you to do. What's what's What are good thinking habits to have about money? Because I'm the same way. I don't like to say, do this with your money. Right. Do that with your money. But just think about this a little differently. Once again, it goes back to... Do you know how much money you make a month? And I mean down to the cent. And do you know how much money you spend a month? Not on hair, on shoes, on clothes, on drinks, on food, but like on your necessities. Like, could you go a whole paycheck, pay all your necessities and still have money left over? If you could, I think that you could save a little bit. You don't have to save all of it. You don't have to save, you know, half of it. I, I, even three percent of even three percent of it would do you a lot better than not saving anything at all, even to the pennies. Mm. Save your change. A lot of people do that. Man, but you know, it's fun. The people do that and don't even pay. It's like this is my laundry money, and they probably got five hundred dollars worth of coins over there. It's like that's my laundry money. I'm the same way. I got like two pickle jars of coins. It was like, yes, it's my laundry money. Um, why is it uh, bad? Look, y'all know y'all do this shit. So I'm just going <laughs> to say, you know you do this. I probably do it too, so I need to hear this. All right. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Based on this conversation, what I'm hearing, I doubt you do. <laughs> but why is it bad to open the mail, take one of them cards, activate it, and not pay it back oh my gosh well it's bad for so many reasons like i don't know i don't want to be in this i owe somebody the rest of my life like my whole entire life like that just doesn't sit right to me that's i mean i think worse than having a bad hair day like if a track slip out i'm cool with that but owing somebody for the rest of my life no i can't i can't do that but we don't look at it like owing somebody it's like this entity that's like nothing but it never goes away. Like, you die with that debt. And, I mean, whatever. You're dead. I mean, you don't care about it. But that can go down to your people, which I guess you don't give a fuck about. It, it goes point, down either. to your spouse. Um, but uh, along with that, you have your credit scores and things like that. Mm-hmm. Why, is, why are these things important? I mean, it's, I mean, do you want to own a house one day? Do you want to be able to get something against your credit if you have a rainy day and you don't have the funds? I mean, you could run out and go get, you know, a quick loan from your bank and you'd be able to do it because your credit is decent. I mean, all a credit score really is at the end of the day. It just tells someone that you are you're that good you, for it. Right. You're good for it. <laughs> I was actually, that was a thought I was actually holding on to. Before I, well, no, I'm going to go ahead and do it now. It's just like, hey, if you if you got friends, everybody got that friend that come by one shit, and you're just like, nah, man, get the fuck on. That can be you if you don't pay back banks 
if you don't pay back credit cards you become that person when they look your name up and you need something it's like you're not good for it are no. you real slow motion on paying back so i'm not giving you i give you a little something but i don't give you all of it right that's the equivalent to playing this um game except these people really don't know you they just know you based on your habits with money right um now granted equifax had a problem and with <laughs> that problem how can you still encourage people to like this happen but you still need to have best practices when it comes to and, and credit cards i'm glad you mentioned this equifax breach because this affected millions of americans it affected me you people that are listening affected everyone but i wouldn't it didn't discourage me from working on my credit and building my credit because there's many ways that you can protect your credit score there's safe life there's safe lock that protects your social security number so if your social security number ever pops up on a credit agency you get an alert for it mm-hmm. and you can also check your credit score for free <laughs> now why does that matter that that you are alerted when your social security number pops up for a credit agency well it matters to people who care about identity theft or someone or okay say you know now it's a lot of black moms out there that a lot use of things their, their young kids names. yep and i'm glad you mentioned that too i actually was at century two i'm trying to hit home now <laughs> i was actually at century two um back in january one of the um credit unions here in town hosts an event where they do teach finance literacy courses to children whose parents um are on section eight and one of the topics was what section eight um, it is a government program. It's a housing program for um, individuals, um, majority of low-income families who may need a little bit of assistance with housing. Okay. Um, basically, um, those children suffered from parents who did get utility bills in their name. And the credit union that hosted the event worked with the children on helping them uh, rebuild their credit at such a young age like 18 you don't want to like go file for a loan or something and find out that you're like 400 your credit score is like 420 or you've got like a thousand dollar water bill in your name that you never even consented to now how and you may or may not know this but how does how how other than the identity theft part obviously that's illegal right but how can you know, the social security number is also attached to your birth and birthday and all this. Mm-hmm. How can a bank or any institution feel like it's okay to take a loan towards a person who clearly isn't old enough to take a loan? What do you, how, how can they do it? Or I mean, if you are, if a, if a water bill that says put in your name, your mm-hmm. social security number, this whole thing which is a test to a birth and you're only five years old. Mm-hmm. I don't see how or why it's okay for a bank or whoever or, or, or I guess a billing institution to confirm this as an okay account because it's not a person who's one legal legally old enough to make this decision. Right. I don't feel it's okay either and I think it's a lack of their um, customer information systems or securities that they have in place with their company and they should be the ones you know 
that are penalized for it. I guess. But two, you said that they have a they had some uh, uh, financial financial literacy deal. Mm-hmm. It seems to me as well, though, if a kid, if a person comes to you at 19 years old with all these bills in their name, it should almost be a no brainer to fix that and say, oh, yeah, that's impossible. Clearly something wrong happened here. Let's hit the reset button for you. Yeah, I wish it was that simple. It's not that simple. Should be. It should be, but it's not. And once again, this goes back to the education part. You can, you know, go back to these original debtors like a water company and submit a what they call a dispute with them. And there's ways to legally prove that, you know, you indeed did not authorize your social to be used to open that account. And there's many plenty of cases where it's successful and those children, you know, are relinquished from any rights of paying that debt. It takes time to come off of their credit, but you have a record. You have proof of that. So when you do go to open up an, another account or you do go to file for, you know, a loan of some sort, you have the proof, you know, that, you know, rectifies you from any wrongdoing on that end. So basically, you can uh, set the the wheels in motion to, if, if you were a person who your parents or someone messed up your credit before you was able to actually use credit mm-hmm. or had a lot of damage to your credit at a time that you wouldn't have been old enough to do any of this stuff, mm-hmm. you can start a process where um, to begin to fix your credit, get some of these things off and, and stop being countered against you. Correct. It takes a while. It's a process. Even once you start, it's still going to be a while. But uh, at least you'll be on the road to fixing your credit so that you have good credit and you have friends that want to give you money because you're a good person. Correct. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to hit a few little pieces. And I'm I'm not going to uh, – this whole show isn't uh, – don't take this as full right information. This is still infor- – this is good information, but still it's up to you to go look into these things. Correct. Go educate yourself. Find these things. Talk to someone. Uh Get in these comments if you want to contact her and talk some more, whatever, get some direction towards some things you can do. Um, but with that said, now I want to talk about uh, there's a growing thing in minority communities to bank black or go to black banks. How do you feel about that? That's the thing. Going to black banks? Yeah. Yes. Can, what? what uh, do you know a name of a black bank? Uh well not here uh I can't think uh it's it's a very small amount of black owned banks there you go black owned banks uh in America I know there's none in Wichita for sure hmm. uh but it's a thing you know to take these money the money out of Bank of America let's say uh I hope that's not where you work uh, no that's not where I work <laughs> uh take the money out of places like Bank of America move it into a uh, black owned bank. Uh, to support black-owned businesses. Okay. And May I ask what's the purpose of this? Is it... Man, you know we on this black renaissance. We just want to do everything. Black-owned. <laughs> but what, I mean, so black-owned bank, um, we put our money in this black-owned bank, and then what happens? Like, are we going to get lower interest rates on Well, loans? so that's one of the things that was a concern Are to we going to be able to apply for a business loan? Like, what's the purpose of this? Well, so some of the concerns you you bring up 
or some of the things that I thought about as well is like, all right, so uh, I like being in business with things that stay in business. Correct. <laughs> and so, especially when my money is at bay. Right. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you go, all right, the, just like any business or bank, once Bank of America was a small thing, and the more people who put into it, it helps them expand it gives them more recess resources to give loans and things like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i guess i'm the same way i don't know the true benefit other than some black pride and i get that that you that that's okay i mean you should be proud to be black uh however what would be your concerns going to that so my concerns would be with us more african-americans banking black are we now going to be able to apply for business loans um will this increase the rate of black owned businesses those who have great ideas and they you know have a great work ethic and a great business plan are they now going to be able to get that business loan if they're not able to just throw the money at it um also are we going to have more finance literacy courses taught to the community? Are we going to be able to have sources where we can get credit cards and personal loans at a lower interest rate? Like, are those financial resources really going to, in turn, come back to the community? Is it going to overall help us? All right. Those are concerns. I don't know. Uh, I've considered, So I've been told, just put, just open up account. And I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I don't know if the more uh, account holders a bank has, does that do anything for them in terms of, is it just just good for the ledger, good for the numbers, or is it something that if they do that, the more numbers they have, the more something that comes into it, as long as I don't get stung by a bee. Um, So, no, I, I don't know. But... That's why I asked. I mean, you're the one with the financial thing behind you. So I, This I is know. news to me, Lester. I have not heard of this banking blog, but I am very curious now. I'm going to have to do some research into this because I would like to know more about it. I would also like to know, are these credit unions and banks, are they federally chartered? And what I mean by that are, are they going to have to withstand or withhold certain regulations to the Federal Reserve? Will they have to answer to the Federal Reserve? And in the event that they don't, I'm going to say right now I'm out. There's no way I'm putting my money in that bank. And, and, and why is that important? It's important because if you're opening up a bank and you're saying, okay, it's black owned, that's great. I love the idea behind it. However, I feel like as a bank, you need to have regulations. You know, if something were to happen in the market and you're loaning out all this money, but you're not, you know, making anything from it and people aren't paying you back or losing money some mm. you know people are going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars this happened with plenty of banks i mean now these all banks and i don't know this and maybe you do uh all banks have to be insured Correct. right fdic the whole yes, thing they have to go okay. through um yeah i don't know you know now you're talking about the particular things that's that literacy part i don't have <laughs> um Okay, um, let's go with why people should have bank accounts 
versus just walking around cash money. Everything is cash on hand. Well, the simple answer would be because it helps you not want to spend it. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I've got the excess cash in my purse, I'm more likely to spend that money versus if it's in an account. Because I can't see it. Yeah. If but I can't that see swipe it, I don't is know. so easy. It is, but I do a I do a really bad job of keeping track of what's in my checking account. Now, I know it's in my savings account, but my checking account, I'm like, my bills are paid. Okay, I don't need to know what else is in there because I don't want to spend it. So I might not have the money in there and swipe it, and then, ma'am, your card's declined. Man, I don't never want to know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever want to know that feeling. Um, okay. What? Um, can we talk a little bit about starting a business? Can you do that? you talk about starting a business i can i can talk a little bit like what you want to know i don't know i don't know because a lot of we talked a little bit before off mic about entrepreneur being an entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. um and this kind of came up at the queen x the difference in uh how different races start businesses Mm um i tend to find out we like to start a business cash money no loans, just let's let's get a shop and open it. Why is that good? Why is that bad? Um, it's good because well, one, you don't have to take out a loan. Um, when you take out a loan to open a business at a bank, they kind of control you till that loan is kind of paid off. They're mm-hmm. gonna monitor, you know, hey, you haven't made the payment, and that that building, or you know, if it's a food truck, or if you have an building, that's 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 their asset. So they can always take that. They can always, you don't pay, they can take it from you. You don't have a business anymore, and mm-hmm. you still owe them. Mm-hmm. It can be a good thing. Now, are we talking about financing? Could be a good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just open it, can, it through cash versus the bank. It could be a good thing in the sense, you know, say I have this great idea, um, but I don't have the financial means to back this idea up and my bank you know believes in me enough to you know spot me my first 12 to twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. and miraculously by the grace of god i do well you know i have a good accounting team that can help me keep track of the books and i'm making some steady money from it and i'm able to pay that loan back somebody was willing to take a risk on me and it, it worked out now, see, for me, sometimes I often find that the I feel I can't say fine. I feel that when we do the cash thing, mm-hmm. we continue to still not learn money properly. We just want to make money so we don't spend well because I, in terms of for that developing that business. OK, uh, uh, we're doing everything cash, we make money that oh, that's my money, that's my money. Versus, you know, I think I think loans with the right intent keeps people responsible. Yes, it does. Um, and I think sometimes we have a we create this business where. Uh, so one of the things that came up was the idea that I feel that black we overprice for our goods and services. Oh, and. Um, I think some of that is because of that ah, we want to make money because we put so much money into it. 
Mm-hmm. I think sometimes a loan is a good insurance plan because it's not necessarily your money. You could pay this back, uh, you know, whatever your rate is to pay it back. Mm-hmm. While still, you know, uh, being able to the the weather the storm of bad times with a business or whatever it is, like you put this money into it, you got nice floors, you you're not constantly remodeling, you're not constantly trying to figure out how to fill stock based on, you know, the business that is coming in, the customers that are coming in. Mm-hmm. It's like you can have the store that you want to have, it's laid out the way you want it. You can just focus on doing the business and just paying back this loan. Hopefully, if you do well with the business and i think in that way you can also price based on that how so because you know if you feel like you if you feel like you got a good business you probably should feel like you can make money and uh you know ah it depends it depends a lot it depends on where you want where you got the store it depends on location to me, I also feel like it depends on if you did your part in mark uh 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 research. I was about to say marketing research, but I don't think that's the term it's, I want to yeah, use. Yeah, the correct term is market analysis. Yeah, market analysis. Like you did everything that goes with knowing that you have a uh a business that people will go to. Right. Uh that you are selling products that people will buy, uh, and you have a plan that most that that is proven works in some form that then when you open this business there shouldn't be that much risk other than what you put into it so if you were if you didn't do all that Mm -hmm. and the only thing you're looking at is how do i make my money back i think you fail before you start i i could get what you're saying but I think that goes along with the whole taking out a loan. How do I get my money back? Well, you kind of have to jack your prices up because you have to be able to pay your loan back. You have to be if. But relative to the loan, I mean, whatever that rate is that you got to pay back. Like they're giving you, if they give you a fair amount that you have to pay back mm-hmm. and it's manageable, then you don't have to. Well, depending on how fast you want to pay it back, I guess. But you've got, if you're leasing your building or if you own, well, if say you don't own your building, mm-hmm. you have to pay for the building. Say you have a few workers, you got to pay them too. Yeah, but that all happens before you open those doors. Like, you should have that plan ready you before you open them. the door. True, but, I mean, no plan, it sounds great on paper. That's how you get your investors. That's how you get your, you know, joint ventures or what have you. But Venture capitalist was the word I was looking for. <laughs> there you go. That's how you get, you know, all these people to help or financially back you. But things happen once, you know, those doors open and maybe the market was there six months ago and the market's not there anymore. Is that the who fault is that? I don't believe that it's the individual who opened the business. I mean, ultimately, that that's the consumers controlling your business because the demand of the consumer is no longer there. I mean, the supply is there all day long. The demand is no longer there. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you have to know that you True. have if, if you're if you run in a business, there's no I can't see how you open doors six months too late. It can happen. It I'm not can, saying it can't it can happen. happen. But open doors six months too late feels like poor research. It's like open a fidget spinner store like now. 
Right. Like now, no one get, cares. Definitely poor research. <laughs> but you know, I I don't know. Like, but again, like I say some of this. You know, if you open up a shop, support people. You can't have midtown prices. True. And if you go in with midtown prices, that's on you. I, I don't think I, you can't put that on a customer. True. And so that's why I look at like I can't. You know, when we open up shops in our neighborhoods and they are overpriced or no fuck it overpriced relative to your competition mm-hmm. you can't Ooh, blame the people overpriced to competition what do you mean like that can you give me an example okay so if if um so let's say it's a hamburger shop and I, I'll use this one for example because okay. it's closed now. So Charlie's famous hamburgers. Okay. Uh, when they were doing okay, the price was decent. Right. All right. Now they're in an isolated location, but let's just say <clears throat> right next to them was McDonald's. Right next to them was a shop that people like because it's always been there. It's a neighborhood classic. Okay. And then there's the Sonics. You got three pretty much popular places and you're opening up with a burger that's overpriced okay. by $3 compared to everyone else. Okay. Other than having a fantastic burger uh-huh. or being able to market the hell out of that burger in and of itself, you priced yourself. They would have priced themselves out of their competition selling nothing but a hamburger. So if people go open that store outside of the, op- the the initial run, new store, people want to try it out. Once you get past that and people go, side burger. And it's like $3 more than everything else. I think it's time for you to maybe reconsider your prices. Now, that's just a, that's just a mom and pop operation. Mm-hmm. Most black businesses are basically mom and pop operations. Right. And that's kind of what they do i mean i I talked to shandy that had the the hair store about the same thing and she looked at it like i can charge you know she'll go what's this a quarter i can't remember exactly what she goes a quarter more than what it costs at walmart and everywhere else Mm -hmm. well if you got a if you got a quarter is not that bad 25 cents isn't that bad um and if you can be a loyalty with that people will continue to come there and then when you have to start really paying these bills and you go up 75 cents let's say or a dollar mm-hmm. the loyalty was there like people are loyal to you because of what this business means i have plenty of sh- we're at our coffee house i know that this coffee right. is more expensive than other coffee but you've seen people come in and out this place yeah. sit down and watch because the loyalty is there from this neighborhood right. i don't think we do that in our neighborhood i think we try to hustle our neighborhood we with good to- intentions but we hustle our neighborhood i can see that i can see where you're coming from with that i often have had a little bit of arguments about this same concept i guess i was i never put it in the way that you put it so i could see where an african-american community may fall or lag in the business department because we do come in open that business and our prices are like twice what you could get somewhere else my dad i guess this is the first time i'm ever plugging this on my show mm-hmm. so my dad has a uh 
he opened a restaurant mm-hmm. and uh and you can go there it's in dallas uh you can get that uh road nose seasoning this is the first time i mentioned my own seasoning uh, i tried to keep this low key but i have a seasoning that you can uh you go down there you get this burger or chicken or whatever it's on everything so it's it's good it's cracked they call it um so when he opened the shop he opened this knowing he had to get these people to buy this food now it's in a place where he's the only place there so it's really not that much competition it's an easy walk for the neighborhood there's some industry that's right there that'll come over there uh but he knew like i'm in a poor neighborhood Mm -hmm. opening a mom and pop place so we talk about it all the time he's like yeah uh, I sell. I got a special for four ninety nine. You get eight wings. I don't know where else you gonna go get eight wings for four ninety nine. Wings and things, y'all pretty good. Gotta bring that price down. But mm-hmm. uh, eight piece for four ninety nine. And he said, I say, man, I'm just it's cheap. He say, nah, I gotta get them first. So I get them. He say, and then probably in the spring, uh, we'll just make it six ninety nine or whatever with a drink and fries and he knows he can't survive off of that price selling that like right. that but he knows at some point it has to go up but i gotta get the people first right so he risked his and now this is another cash establishment no loans none of that uh he had another business so he already had enough money to weather that storm if it went wrong but he knew that he couldn't just come out the gate charging a, a fuck ton for this shit granted it's good it's good meat big portions got this great seasoning called rose nose seasoning if you want to get that um but his research or whatever told him and he's a hustler like he doesn't have any fancy degree none of this type of stuff he just knows how to work business and he goes i can't i can plan to do this later but right now, I need to do this. I need to get these people loyal to what I'm doing. I need people to know I'm here. I need people to want to try everything on this menu at some point, come mm-hmm. back. Once I got them, then we go up. To me, that's a plan. That's smart business. I don't see that often in our neighborhoods. Often in our neighborhoods, we open and we close. Yes. Unless it's really fucking good. Like, keep that open. But for the most part, we open and close because one, no one figured out. How do I pay employees? True. How do I, you know, in this case, uh, depending on how many employ- employees you have, you have to give these people insurance. I ain't figured that out. Nope. They only figured out, I want to sell this and I want it to cost this much. And I want to make money. Yes. <clears throat> and so when I say I think we overprice, I know how that can feel offensive to people who think they're entrepreneurs, but where's the plan right do That's you just want a quick buck or do you want a long-term establishment with long-term revenue which i think that's what we are missing the one thing about our community and now i'm getting into some other shit <laughs> but the one thing about our community is character i there's you don't go into any place and see the type of character you have in a black neighborhood at least when i grew up I'm 30-something years old. I don't know. I was born in 84. You do the math. <laughs> when I grew up, until I came to Kansas, I never went to fast food places because I could go here for this, here for that. I went mom and pop everywhere I went. I, I could walk everywhere I went. I love being in the hood. 
because everything I wanted was there. The character was there. The car washes. Everyone hung out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it is or what happened. You had the, the, the owners of the shops. You knew their name. That's Mr. So-and-so. That's Miss So-and-so. Had the respect for these people and the loyalty of these people. I argue our young business owners or small business owners don't want to be that person in our neighborhood. No. I would agree with that. I definitely would agree with that. And we're losing character by that. We are. Because we have these buildings that go from open to empty so fast. Yep. And everyone goes, damn, what happened to that? I kind of like that place. Well, they didn't know how to do business. And the people, they expected the the only reason that I would shop there is because I'm black. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So when I make that comment, it's, it's loaded, but I know that it's. I see it because I've been around small businesses all my life. True. And so when you tell me that you care about the community, but you overprice the community, how you overprice poor people and expect them to spend their money with you when all they need to do is get on a bus or get a friend to take them to Walmart right. using food stamp cards. Oh. And if you got food stamps, you want to. I don't know if I can say that on here. I ain't going to say that. <laughs> any any comments on that? I would Am def- I wrong? I w- Tell what, me why I'm wrong. And what you just said, no. I would have to agree with you 100%. Yes. Go ahead. And originally, and I'm going to be honest with you, when you first fixed your mouth to say this at uh, Queen X launch party at Fallis Salon... I was like, what is he talking about? Of course, their prices are going to be a little bit higher than a well-established monopoly company. I mean, they're a mom and pop. They're just starting out. They got to make, you know, they got to break even. However, I was looking at it at the surface. I wasn't actually like sitting there taking my time to think about it. I was thinking I came at it from a financial standpoint. I didn't look at it in a social or economic standpoint which it makes sense if you want to open a mom and pop in your community you need to treat it as such and not pimp out the people in your community because at the end of the day they made your business i don't care if you had a great business plan it's nothing if you don't have that green to support it and the people to support it and the loyalty behind it it's nothing at the end of the day yep (laughs) but see but in this crazy it's like not crazy but like Places like Flawless and beauty places and things like that, I think, or not beauty, barbershops, things like that, I think they do well because you kind of expect those prices when you go True, there. true. So you, and it, and it hasn't really changed that much over the years. Like a haircut, it's pretty much always been this. Braids and things like this has always been this. Here and there, just, it may be up here and there depending on, you know, if you like that person or that person is quite a whole lot better than another place or, or a friend of a friend of a friend and give you that discount yeah so whatever <laughs> happens happens but like these other little shops is just like yo i don't see how you think you're gonna survive like i know how hard it seems like you can't survive if it's too cheap yeah probably not mm-hmm. but at some point if you're too cheap and you go up people like shit out boy i enjoyed that for a while i guess i go ahead and pay that extra dollar because they 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 mess with you they like you right so that's how i look i i I look i mean i look at it from a community standpoint always now if you take that small business you take it somewhere else like wings and things is a great location for them yeah so that price 
even though I don't like it, it can happen. It's still open. And it looks good. It's well-presented location. It's a uh, uh, well-presented establishment. They're doing everything right. Right. So I get it. Um, all right. Well, what advice? We're going to go ahead. Oh, cryptocurrency. Let's jump in. Do you know anything about this? I know a little bit about cryptocurrency. Have you invested in any of it? I have not. Got to get in. I have. Why, so though? I, I can say right now I'm not a fan of cryptocurrency. Why not? Well, when it first started, what? Oh, you want me to talk first? You Okay, I'll let you talk first, and then All right, I'm I'll tell you why I don't you. like it. I'm going to sell it to you. So, uh, I I had a friend, um, Mike Mello, one chick, uh, I went to school with, that he got into Bitcoin very early, like four or five years ago. Okay. And... Um, when he got into it, I was just not a believer. I was just like, I don't, I don't get it. And here we'll go five years ago. I'm looking at my app that I got this. So we'll go 2013, November. Uh, Bitcoin was worth $366. So keep that in mind. Uh, so that's roughly when he was telling me about it. And I just was not a believer. I was like, this is just, what is this nonsense? Like, I don't, and I, and he was always posting about it. Oh, it went up this. Oh, it went up that. I'm telling y'all, y'all need to get in this. Over the years, I'm just ignoring it because it's just my white friend and it's white people shit. <laughs> and then earlier this year, uh, Sean Scott, who was at, who's been on the podcast and we talked about it a little bit, um, he had made a post about, uh, and we're, when I say earlier this year, I'm talking like April. He's like, hey, man, y'all better get on this. If you would invest it in this in January... You have already be 300% up. And I was just like, what? And so he got some charts. I don't know what none of this chart shit mean, but I'm like, I know what up looked like, and it was up. And so I hit up Mike again. I said, man, you really? Like, yeah, man, I got, I've been doing well. Then Sean, I hit Sean up. I was like, what, what did you do? And he gave me the plan, gave me a little bit of wisdom, and I was like, I trust both of y'all. I don't really understand this like this, but I'm looking at the charts. I have someone who has been in it through legacy because I've seen him from the beginning talk about it and I ignore it. Now I got a black man with money in his pocket and all this, and he's saying, just take $100, put $100 in there. I said, $100? I got a little paper. I don't know if I just want to spare $100 on some witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know what? Fuck it. I done blew a hundred dollars on less. Um, so I put a hundred dollars in. I took a hundred dollars and I broke it down into uh three different coins: Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, and Litecoin. Just because it was easy to do, I could just put my the hundred dollars in there and just figure out what I want to do. I did that in May. So I started this conversation five years ago or whatever it was. Bitcoin was $366 if I would have invested in that at that time. Now it's worth $5,000. Uh, I'll show you that. You see, you, you know what charts look like. Yeah. So, I mean, that's in five years, that's a dramatic jump. In the time that I jumped into Ethereum, let's just say this. I don't give a shit. I, gave, I put $100 into this whole thing uh, in May. And collectively, if I can do quick math real quick, um, I'm $300 up on my investment. I don't know what stock you can get today that 
in a summer, in a season, that you could be $300 up. So here's the deal. This is why I believe in it. Um, I did a little research, but I look at what makes sense. Y'all know I'm a logics person. I like to break shit down. If you look at how we do a lot of our transactions, it's, a lot of it is digital, from sure. Amazon, eBay, and all this. Um, there's no reason not to believe that this is this could be another form of transactions, either microtransactions or just major digital transactions, easier than pulling out a debit card or coin or paper or whatever. Uh, you can just do money quick. Uh, another reason I'm a believer in it is... Uh, as you know, with a bank, I think it's a FDIC is three hundred thousand dollars, something like that. Two hundred fifty or three hundred thousand. Two hundred fifty thousand. Two hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. And I can't a hundred percent say, oh, there's some insurance plan behind this. But the difference between that way and this way is, it's on a ledger called a blockchain. So basically, everybody knows what everybody has. Everybody that's within, or well, not everybody. This ledger is spread across many people around the world. Everyone right. that's on Bitcoin or whatever. Um, everyone won't have it, but a, a select few will. This is basically a way to know that I have this, Sean has this, you have that. And if somebody has a ledger that's not right, why is your ledger not right? So you always have a tally of who should have what. It's digital, so it's just a matter. I mean, our paper money is, is, is a tender. It's not a real thing is a value that we gave it. A dollar bill is a value that we gave it. It's the same thing in a sense, but if someone has, if there's a thousand ledgers out there and two of those ledgers say that I don't, I have half the money that I have, something's wrong with their ledger. Right. And they have to correct that. So your money is always what it is versus if someone goes into your bank and something weird happens and you lose a million dollars, well, you only get $250,000 back. Is that good enough? No, it's not good enough. All right, well, see, I, I showed you a chart. <laughs> I show, is it in the, and also, you don't have to, like regular stock, you don't buy full stock. You, you could buy, you can put $100 in, even though it's worth $300. You just have that $100 share of that cryptocurrency. Okay. My question to you then, what is your end game with this investment? So, are you gonna eventually ever mine cryptocurrency? Are you going to actually use it as a medium of exchange? So, I mean, you can. I mean, there's there's online stores now that take it. Mm -hmm. So, I've invested a hundred dollars or whatever into it, and this is what my hundred dollars is worth now. Let's say my hundred dollars is worth four hundred dollars now. I can go out there and buy goods based on the value of what I put into it already. So it's 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 as these stores are valuing it, it is legal tender tender of currency that can be used. So there's the potential that let's just say as they call this in this world to the moon. So something goes to the moon. And then all of a sudden my investment is worth a hundred thousand dollars. It's worth $100,000 just like stock. I can just exchange that into USD dollars. I'm still not sold on this cryptocurrency. You ain't got to be. It's just I have like. And y'all know how I feel about black people not 
embracing technology. I, I embrace technology, but this is why I don't like cryptocurrency is because of the whole mining concept. Like, if people stop mining cryptocurrency, we're not going to have it. But they don't make it less valuable. It doesn't make it less valuable. The links that you have to go through to mine it but you are very for the people that are mining it yes and who and who are these people that are mining this cryptocurrency okay so what's the fear of it though because i can take all this out right now and it's my money right but who mined that money for you you don't care about that fuck no (laughs) but but at the same time okay like apple apple makes a a ipo is it ipo ipo uh an initial whatever it is they this is what they say that well facebook in this case is apple's always been public but they they say all right we got Two hundred thousand stocks or whatever of apple that people can get Uh this is this is arbitrary numbers that they come up with it's not a real thing either but no one questions the stock market like who come up with all these stocks what does that even mean it's just a value that we give a thing. Maybe it's just me being hesitant because I'm like. I did five years of hesitancy. I'm done. I'm jumping. <laughs> he said he's done. I'm one of the people that go, hey, y'all want to put a barcode on me? Put that bitch on me. Let's let's go. I'm tired of filling out applications. I just, I haven't got into this cryptocurrency. I just, I can't get sold on it just yet. Like, I have to clear my mind of. The mining aspect of it, the blockchain, this general ledger, like who's in charge of that? Everyone. That's, it's, it's, and so I this heard is that this is supposed to be anonymous. So how do you know that the person that has all these Bitcoin isn't somebody that's like a drug lord or a kingpin or that's selling body parts on the black market? Like, how do you know these things? Like, it doesn't matter. It does matter. <laughs> all right. OK. If it matters. Because once the government gets a hold of it. That's another thing Goodbye too. Like, to there's freedom. no government though. Like, as, as I talked about, see, I right. Let we can run with that. That is true. But as of right now, since see, we can't worry about the things that are not because if it's never, if it never is, then the hesitancy is in the wrong place. True. And it's like, like you said, the drug lord. It kind of doesn't matter because no one. It doesn't stop people from making movies with Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> so True. you know like we can find different way i i was the same way mm-hmm. i was the same way but at some point you know i often get upset that the future doesn't look the way that i thought it would at my age mm-hmm. and maybe the hesitancy of embracing the future is probably the reason why that's true and like I, I like automated now like i got a alexa amazon holla at me uh i got alexa and do you really yep Ooh, and no. at home i'm just like alexa play this playing so and so and i tell my friend i said you know it's weird i can say Le- alexa stop listening and she'll be like stop listening and i say alexa listen and she's listening i said well how the fuck were you listening if i told you to stop listening so i know they listening <laughs> what's going on in my house i pick up my phone like when i even look back i can listen to the recordings of the things that i've said to the thing that's that's crazy that's scary and it's crazy i'm not having no parts of it it is but you know you say that and i bet you got a smartphone and the gps i don't know every fucking place yet no i turn my locations off you think you do oh hell 
We're not going to go into this. See what I'm, I'm saying? I'm too young to be this paranoid. And people tell me this all the time, but I can't help it. But you're not the only one. A lot of people are that paranoid. Which is, like like I said, it may be the reason why like, technology hasn't moved to moved on the way it should. And granted, like now I know it won't. Here, y'all want me to do a little politics? Because we got president don't care nothing about the future. So. True. You know, we don't we we're not talking about technology. We're not talking about innovation. We're not talking about like right now. Right now, Puerto Rico, places like that is fucked. So how about this? Why don't we go ahead and put some new innovation into a place to see if it works or not? Then we can migrate it over to the real world Oh, the real world the to real the states. <laughs> I mean, it's things that we're not doing now where when they say the Americans are being beat by this and that. Like, yeah, we've been because we're afraid of it. True. I'm just saying. You, you do you use Uber? Have you ever used the Uber? I've never used Uber. I me either. I mean, I've I've taken an Most Uber ride, time. but I haven't actually like got on the app. I don't have the app. Someone ordered the Uber for me. I'm just saying. Hey, okay. All right. Here's here's <laughs> the thing. Here's the thing. You want to be paranoid? I'm paranoid. You right quick. No, All right. Lord. You got you got Snapchat. I do got Snapchat. All right. Have you ever put some bunny? Have you ever turned into an animal? No. Have you ever did any of them things? I've done. I've messed around with the filters, but not like on myself. But I've messed like, you All know, right. like the front camera. And you have your dog. Yeah. Your, okay. Yeah. I've done that. Okay. Now, think about this. I'm finna fuck your mind up. Why? Facial recognition. You have that on like your iPhone now. Like you can I unlock your iPhone. I don't fuck with Apple. Y'all know that. Well, I don't. Mm, okay. But still. What I'm saying is to be paranoid about other things, you are allowing facial recognition. You are allowing that. I have never done it. But I didn't care. I don't, as I said, put a, put a chip in me, all that. I'm with it. I'm. What? Do it. I don't Wait care. a minute. Did let you me say walk put in. a chip in you? Hey, For that, what? If that means I can walk right through the airport, let's do it. They I might be able to have walk something in the chip where they can blow your ass up or make you like do what they want you to do. And you're going to turn into a human robot? I do what they want me to do now. You think I want to pay all these bills? No. <laughs> I'm already doing hey, what I want to do. that's benefiting you in the long run. Hey, Hey, I don't know. I'm with it. I'm just like, I'm done. I, every time I got to fill out an application, I'm like, why do I got a social security number? Like, y'all, then can I just put my social and you just look it up? You know my life is there. That's true. You fill out all these applications everywhere you go. Well, not everywhere. Well, you know, you hell, you got to do it. People fill out these applications. You got my social. Matter of fact, I think you use my social to figure out my credit score. So you know everything. Why am I feeling out this whole thing? You want just y'all just want to see if we're gonna lie. True. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting cryptocurrency. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm definitely going it. to look into it. Put fifty dollars in. I mean, I'm I'm gonna look into it. I'm gonna do my research. I'm gonna sleep on it. I'm gonna take a nap. I'm you know gonna wake what? up. If you put fifty dollars into it, you'll research like a motherfucker then. Once I put money into it, I knew everything. Right, it's just like if all of a sudden, you, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> that is the fact of life. Anywho, we're gonna wrap up. Um, what is some lasting advice you want to give? Let's get do something for the hood. Do something to these hood, and I'm gonna say hood niggas. Hood niggas. Give them something that they can walk away and think about. They walking around with a a pocket full of cash. They're gonna go out tonight. Want to spend a bunch, 
They want to look it. They want to show it. Get some joins. Get some. Get a new car. Give them something to think about. So they can think about their money differently. Basically, there's nothing wrong with treating yourself and wearing nice clothes and being fashy. That's not the issue. However, just as easy as you go out and buy these materialistic things that, you know, have no value to you, you could easily take a little bit of that pocket change, you call it, and throw it in an account and let it sit and keep doing it every month or every two weeks or whatever. And let it just sit there and let it save. And, and you can earn a little bit of extra money on top of it because you're earning an interest on it. It's, it's not as bad as what people think. Saving is not as bad as what you think. And it's not that hard either. Nobody's asking you to take half of your paycheck and go without food or go without, you know, a nice, you know, get together with friends or go to the movie. Nobody's telling you to go without. But if you if you can afford to spend just a little bit and throw it in a savings account, I would do it. It's it's worth it. What about the insta thoughts that don't think they insta thoughts? It's just buying shit. What you mean? I don't know. I think I they need too some much I, I think they need some financial advice though. Financial advice? Like how? So I don't think they need financial advice. They got all the answers. They got sponsors and stuff like that. How can they get away from a sponsor? How can they get away from a sponsor? (laughs) How can I get away from a sponsor and get some financial independence? Is giving you five thousand a month or whatever he's giving you and you pay your bills, like at least save your sponsor's money. Like shit. Get rich off your sponsor. Get you some wealth. Accumulate some wealth. Hello. Off your sponsor. Not off me. I ain't sponsoring nothing. <laughs> I mean, if there's any sponsors out there that want to sponsor me, hey, I go to school. I just need, you know, a little extra money for tuition. Damn. You see that? I mean, I'm I don't want to spend my money if you're willing to, like, give me, like, hey, you want to invest in me? <laughs> hey. Hey. No matter what, they all want to sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the I'm Kind of Famous podcast. Thank you for doing the show. Hopefully, there's some financial gems in there somewhere. Because uh, I know I just went out on a tangent at the end. Um, as always, Kind of Famous Pod on Facebook, K-I-N-D-A Famous Pod. Uh, that's where the Kind of Famous Podcast Network is. Like, I get used to saying that. With the new shows on there, um, Catch These Hands. I think by the time this comes uh, actually, when this comes out, we would just had dropped uh, the first episode of Catch These Hands with David Rickles and Cody Carrillo. Uh, it's a MMA, well, not MMA, combat sports program. Um, try to do something different where uh, instead of me talking so much, uh, it's built mostly on the two people talking to each other. So they are also learning about each other as as well as just kind of talking shop. It's, it's amazing because I've already recorded two interviews. When you hear people talk about their passion, it's just like they can keep going. So a lot of times I'm just sitting there watching them talk. Uh, so hopefully y'all enjoy that. Y'all can go back and enjoy that. Uh, I think, look, all right, so I'm recording this on Saturday. Uh, no, Friday. Friday, it's Friday, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Right now, I'm in talk about doing another live event, live recording at the I Got Soul sneaker convention. So uh, I don't know if that's going to go through or not, but if I do, another live sh- event show, hopefully. I don't know. I can't get away with saying nothing crazy. I'm going to find something crazy I can say to make people mad. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to figure something out. Something about shoes. Maybe Jordan's a whack or some shit like that. 
I don't know. Um, so we're gonna have that coming up. Um, Who up? Who up is a show that's basically about concepts, breaking down concepts, doing old philosophical type thought studies or thought essays. I think that's what I'm gonna call it. Doing thought essays. Um, that won't just be me. It will always be one person doing that. Uh, it won't always be me. Uh, so if you had, if I run into people with a good thought idea that they want to break down a concept, you want to do an episode of Who Up? Uh, let me know, and you can talk as much as you want to talk. Just don't be an hour. Uh, and what else? Oh, and then the uh, I'm kind of famous cutting room. Basically, this conversation that happened before and after the show, and so many bits and pieces that like isn't heard. Uh, for instance, uh, I'll release at some point the whole after conversation that happened at the Queen X uh, thing after actual thing ended. So we'll release that so y'all can hear that. Uh, and I think the Black Man Cheat seminar may get pushed back. I don't know. Huh. If I do, it'll probably be February. I've already decided. A lot of it is because with all the new content and then starting to work on this new film. I got to uh, space this shit out, uh, so that's probably gonna happen that way. What you you what? Uh, look like you was about to say something. You pushing it back to February, the month of love and yep. Black History Month. You trying to start a riot? Black men don't cheat. That's good oh, history that needs to be out there. You are trying to get stuff burnt down. Nah, I think people gone. People are gonna be at their most vulnerable point, and they should time. be. You know, you gotta rip that bandage off. Y'all need to know, black men don't cheat. <laughs> y'all need to stop indicting us with this poison. Y'all don't let these slave owners make y'all believe something that ain't real. Kevin Hart is not a black man. What is he then? Little person. That's a race. Really? Uh, pygmy. Pygmy is a race? I believe so. Don't question that. These are alternative good facts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, these are some of the things that are going on uh, that I got happening. Um, and so that's why I got to push it back to February 2. Obviously, uh, Valentine's season. Uh, just because I think it needs to be known. I need to repair some relationships before they get broken apart. Because I know it's a girl that's going to be going into Valentine's thinking, hey, man, ain't shit. I need to reassure them. That that man did not, in fact, cheat on her. So, this is the I'm Kind of Famous podcast. You can uh, go to the official site, arrowfilms.com. A-R-O-W-E films.com. You can go to youtube.com slash arrowfilms. That's where everything video content-wise will be. Um, what else? I think that's it. And don't forget to get Wi-Fi Rock Bottom in the book. Subscribe. Tell a friend. This whole thing. Watch the film Wi-Fi Rock Bottom as well. Uh, I think there's some big news coming with that too. I think I've I already said this that it might be getting um, published, so officially published, not just self-published. So that should be happening. Um, but all this is 2018 stuff. I got a whole couple months left to talk about this. So anyway, we're done. Uh, thank you for coming out. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing your next article on QueenX.co or in the next ep- uh, next magazine, the next issue of QueenX magazine. This is the I'm Kind of Famous podcast. Until next time, tell your mama say hi. So in light of you being kind of famous. Why the hell I'm kind of famous? <laughs>
Who the hell is she now?